Conversation, live from Nicaragua. Dive deep into the world of coffee with co-founders of Twin Engine Coffee, Andrea Wolverton and Colin Ganley. Welcome to Brewing Conversation. This is Season Zero, Episode 6. My name is Andrea Wolverton. And I'm Colin Ganley. And today we're talking about our social mission. A lot of coffee companies have a social mission, an aspect of what they do that is designed to benefit or enhance or help the communities, the stakeholders that they're involved with. And we are different. And so, yeah, we're definitely different. So the typical approach, what looks normal, what is not different is a company that is located outside of where the coffee grows. So somewhere not Nicaragua, that is roasting, adding all the value outside of the country, and then either paying the farmers a little bit more per pound, we're talking pennies normally, uh, cents, and or giving back some percentage to some community, some community project. And so, so yeah. Like building a library or a school. The house is... Those are, those are pretty typical. And it's usually all about workers of coffee farms. So right. larger coffee farms, workers. So we can talk about that a little bit. Um, but I guess going back, so my background is I was working in development, um, mostly in East and West Africa. And, and so the, a common approach is that you look at the budget, and it's usually large because these are large programs. And you're going to have a target number of people you're going to affect. But at the end of the day, $20 per person over a couple of years, is it just doesn't do much. I mean, we're talking about shifting generations. And so, I mean, I don't know, should we talk a little bit about Nicaragua in terms of the economic status, I mean, for it to make sense? No, I think we need to go back and explain the difference a little bit. So, whereas a lot of companies operate outside of the country, what they will typically do, and if they're sitting around thinking about how they can benefit the communities that they're, that they're working with, they just think of the farm because that is, that's it. Right. That's, that's, that's where they, they stop. With. Yeah. And so they only think about them. And so then that's where these ideas about creating a school or a park or, or what have you come up and there's nothing wrong with that. But what we want to explain is the difference because we're not a piece of, you know, a drop of water that slides across the fabric of the country. We're woven into the fabric of the country. So let me just, let's just say the punchline of this dollar concept that I've been working because it's, it is pretty exciting. So in trying to distill this, it's a bit long winded, but so the real difference is that your wholesale dollar puts 85 cents on the dollar into Nicaragua, as opposed to with twin, with twin engine coffee, as opposed to the traditional fair trade concept would be about 20 cents. So what does 65 cents matter? What is 65 cents per dollar per dollar? We're not talking about per pound. This is per dollar spent. So 10 bucks, eight and a half dollars is coming back to Nicaragua. What does that actually mean? It doesn't mean that it's going back in the form of a charitable contribution. It's it's a lot more meaningful than that. It, what it means is that of that money that's that's spent, 
that goes to employ people in Nicaragua roasting the coffee, transporting the coffee, doing the graphic design to create the art for the coffee, stamping the the designs on the bags, all the different things that go into boxes, aging, uh, selection, etc. These jobs are are jobs that we employ people here in Leon or in Nicaragua to do. Whereas typically a coffee company purchases green coffee, sticks it in a container and exports it. So they don't have any of those jobs like the graphic design, the transport, the aging, the tasting, etc. that are done by anyone in the local market. All that work is done somewhere else. So when she's talking about this, the concept of 85 cents on the dollar staying in Nicaragua, it's to give people jobs. It's to pay companies to do things that they're trying to get good at doing. Right. I mean, incredibly tangible. And so, you know, we've been working on different words for this, um, but it's it's kind of the hidden, it's the hidden part of the value chain of, of the coffee world that is virtually never talked about because the conversation stops with the farmer and the farm workers, and then it jumps across many miles or across an ocean to where the coffee is roasted. And so... So what, where did that leave um, where we live in Nicaragua? There were very few, there was, I mean, there was no coffee jobs in Leon. I mean, there there was very little coffee culture. And so, you know, I mean, in a place where, um, I mean, I don't know what's the, the statistic is that Nicaragua is the second poorest country in all of Latin America. Um, People making minimum wage, looking like an average of 8 to $10 a day. That's single mothers. It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to educate, to feed yourself. Um, I mean, we could dive into that. But for for us, it's that 85 cents creates personal independence and, you know, just the ability to live. All right. And, and to make a lot of your own decisions. I mean, we have come to really love a lot of our employees and and we provide them a lot of benefits beyond just the high salaries that we give them. Got a lot of single mothers who work for us. And so when they want to uh, have their child learn English from a private tutor or go to a better school or a few, you know, various little things or like that, we're happy to do it because we know for each employee, what those sort of things are that are important to them. And there's no safety net. There's no social security. There's there. I mean, there is a social security system, but it's it's pretty, it would not meet most standards. Um, It's, there's just no safety net. So if, if you don't have a job, I mean, there's just nothing to help you. And so that's quite powerful. I mean, so for the economic lovers out there, I mean, what we're talking about is the multiplier effect, because it's not just people who work with us directly as employees, it's the whole community. Right. And we do try to not employ everybody. We, we try to work with companies. So if a, if a local entrepreneur has decided to make a trucking company and we need trucking services, we'd rather use them and let them grow their business, help them grow their business rather than buying a truck and hiring a driver. Right, which is a that. pretty new concept. I mean, large companies, and most companies were, were pretty large. And um, so it's, it's the, I mean, I think, you know, I took for granted UPS, I took for granted USPS. 
FedEx, et cetera. And so being able to support that kind of development here. But so some of the funny things is that we, people would ask when we first started, and honestly, I didn't really, I just didn't expect the question. People would say, are you fair trade? And it would just kind of knock me over like, whoa. I mean, we, we live in Nicaragua. We've created jobs that never existed. I mean, just those effects. We pay a lot for the coffee um, because of the quality. We know the farmers. We know what's gone on. And so, so I was really surprised. And it highlighted what was understood about the social aspect and and what was generally believed. And so for a while I fought it and we fought and like tried to like, okay, we'd make explanations. And then we're like, okay, it's pretty clear that we need to be part of something that people can understand. And then we became part of the fair trade federation, our U S company. So we are a Nicaraguan coffee company and our U S twin engine coffee distributes twin engine coffee in the United States and abroad. Yeah, but we had a hard time filling out the application because they, the Fair Trade Federation has a really extensive screening process for, for who they allow to be members. And so we went through that process. And when we were looking through the application, it was really difficult for us to come up with answers for a lot of the questions because the model for socially responsible companies, which... Coffee, coffee specifically. Yeah, is really based on the idea that you're located in Cleveland and you just try to buy from certified people who you can trust to be good actors in the community. And so being locally, we're sort of the guarantors of a lot of that good acting. And if you ask us, how do you know that your supplier is paying this? Well, we know because we are the supplier. We are doing the work. We we are the ones. Uh, and, and those who we work with are very near to us and we observe how they're, how they're working. You know, if we were talking about jewelry or hand-woven blankets, um, it would be a lot more obvious. But in coffee, it has really just been stop at the farmer and then pick up. And so we were creating this aspect of the putting, keeping the value, let me say, crafted where the coffee grows. And so we've had to, you know, basically define that in the application. So people would ask, well, how do you treat the artisans <laughs> that you work with? And like, well, we are the artisans. I mean, we are the disadvantaged uh, company in Nicaragua that is, you know, everyone in Nicaragua, I mean, you know, comparatively is disadvantaged because of a lot of economic factors. And so it was a really interesting concept to try to explain and try to explain about these, these, this whole industry jobs that are being created that just didn't exist anywhere. That is, looks a lot more like what would be fair trade garments or something that is fully crafted where people live as opposed to just the raw materials. So a good example of, of this job creation is, for example, when we started the, our company, we wanted to have, I think, six different lines of coffee. Our espresso, estate, cigar, honey bear, organic. Elephant. And, yeah. Oh, and, Cuban style. Yeah, Cuban, Cuban style. And yeah. so 
in order to do that, we were just starting. And so what we wanted to do is have maximum flexibility with our packaging. Oh, and goodness, learning all the world of minimums and printing. <laughs> so we got, so we bought a bunch of blank bags that had the right finish and the right quality. And then our idea was to put stamps and stickers on them. Now, with stickers, that was a whole thing. But, but let's talk about the stamps. So when you're stamping on the type of coffee bag that we got, it has a non-porous surface. So it's not like a piece of paper that can absorb the ink. It's actually more like putting it on, I don't even know what's another non-porous surface. It's like putting it on the outside of a Coke bottle, yeah. a Coke bottle uh, or something yeah. like that. And so most ink will just slide right off. Well, so back up, like we had, when we first got here and we had all our company papers, we were like, where's your rubber stamp? And we're like, what rubber stamp? Who uses a rubber stamp anymore? <laughs> like, I've got to just go get, make a, a stamp. So we learned that there was this strong culture of making hand stamps, making rubber stamps. And so fast forward back to your story. So that kind of ties into us being able to easily find someone to make stamps for us. But the the challenge was there was no one else in Leon that we knew of that was using any sort of ink that would stick to this type of surface or experts in stamping. Because with stamping, when you have a really viscous ink, it's really hard to stamp something that's detailed because it gets very blurry. Or if you have a, a, an ink that's really fine, then you can easily stamp things like that, but it can also come out really fine. So there are just there are all these nuances about stamping, especially stamping on a difficult surface. And so we found this mm. ink engine that would adhere to this type of bag. It was a great ink, but it wasn't in Nicaragua. So then we had to import that. And then working with our employees over time and doing it ourselves for the first year and a half, we ultimately developed this job of stamping coffee bags. And now there are people who we've trained to do this who essentially have this skill that didn't previously exist in Leon. And you may say, oh, stamping? That's a thing? Actually, not so easy. But it's a big thing. And the fact is, it's very transferable as well, because you, it, by using stamps, it gave us a flexibility to import just one type of bag and then create six different lines of coffee. And you could do the same thing with chocolate or with coconut milk or whatever the various products are that can be produced here. And you can create a beautiful consumer product by having that skill. And so we've trained several people to do this job for us. Some of them are no longer with us, and they may go on down the line and do that and and sort of have that new skill in the local. Well, and, and from a development perspective, um, the things that really, you know, I mean, every day something was new, but two things stand out. Well, first of all, making stamps for decoration was not typical. So I worked a lot with the, the printer <laughs> to get them to do that. Cause at first they said, no, I mean, we've made over like 150 stamps now, but they were like, no, 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 that ain't, that's not because there aren't many materials available here. So you have to be clever. And so by doing that inadvertently showed people that you can, you know, be creative with what you have available. Um, but the story that stands out to me is that, you know, we, I didn't, we didn't think that it would be that hard to find people to stamp. But what we did, what was kind of confusing is it was so when people were trying to stamp, they were very hesitant, scared almost to stamp. And I was just like, well, just, I mean, just do it. Cause you have to be firm when you stamp. Cause you only have one shot. 
or you mess up a bag and that can be expensive. And, but it was this self-confidence, this real self-confidence. So I remember, I don't know if you remember me sitting beside this person saying, you can do it, own the stamp, love the stamp. You are the stamp. And I just, there are these things. I mean, and that's probably the the essence of this of development and working with people, um, especially in Leon, where um, there's a lot of brain drain to Managua. And so, you know, there haven't been a lot of job opportunities. So we're just really feel fortunate to be able to be located here and um, where we are creating an immense value for the people that we do. I mean, and they're creating value for us. We would have never been able to. It's really challenged us to to figure out a ways forward when the path has not been obvious. So it's hard to come up with a real clear statement about what our social mission is because it's really integrated in everything that we're doing. I mean, I think really just the fact that we're located here and expecting to produce something of the highest quality for international consumption, whether it's here or abroad, uh, that just sort of forces us into a wide variety, well, and just being caring human beings and knowing our employees very well. We have lunch together every day, everyone who works for us does. And just putting ourselves in that situation of being caring people in this situation with these shared goals creates sort of this dynamic where we, our social mission just happens. We, we achieve it sort of just by being in the situation. Right. And when, so just to be clear, I mean, when people ask, do you pay your farmers well? You know, not people aren't really clear on what that means. And are they treating their employees? I, I kind of look at them sometimes and, and it's not because I don't, I mean, the answer is yes. Um, and it's not because we don't think it's important. I just, there's also so much more that is as important. And so I just kind of, it throws me when that is the question about the social aspect of, of the work. And I, of course, want to dive into everything else, but, um, you know, you have to pick and choose. But so just to be clear, yes, we do pay quite a bit for our coffee. And then we add several hundred times more percentage, if you want to measure it in dollar terms to this area. So, so that's, uh, yeah. So that's our best stab at sort of explaining how the social mission fits in or, or at least, you know, sort of how we started out with our initial goals and how that's evolved over time and how we've come to understand them. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. This has been Brewing Conversation with Andrea Wolverton and Colin Ganley. Thank you for listening. For more connection to coffee and Twin Engine Coffee, go to TwinEngineCoffee.com or email us. We'd love to hear from you.